0: Welcome friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today. Uh, I'm Dick Dalton, your host like for this session me. of global News in Social Artistry. Glocal because, uh, well, it can't just be local. And it can't just be global because we're all connected. So I, I just like that word, Glocal. And social artistry, well, uh, to me that means uh, building a more humane world. Starting with ourselves, uh, starting with our family, our community, our, our state, you know, just keep going on up <laughs> our, our universe. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> because uh, more humane is really, uh, to me, what the goal of life is becoming more humane. And to share uh, his. Uh, Social artistry uh, <laughs> with us today is my old friend C.W. Dawson. Uh, we talked a little over a year ago right yes, here in right. this uh, studio about uh, a book you had written. And, yeah, that's uh, right. We revisit that, but uh, okay. you're still, I, I'm going to use the word, you're baptized in <laughs> Columbia, aren't you? You're <laughs> immersed in Colombia. I mean, you have... A pastorate over here, don't you still have your Friday night?
1: Today? I have the Friday night worship. Um, right at we Wilkes meet, Boulevard? Yes, uh, 7 o'clock every Friday. Um, that's been a real joy in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I told you before, but if not, I think it's worth saying again. I Most of the 41 years I've been an ordained minister, I've been in large, mean churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice to be in a place... That with a group of people who are who who really seem to be committed to both love and justice, mm. um, and a diverse and diverse, Very yeah, diverse. The most diverse congregation I've ever been in. We're older, younger, white, black, uh, male, female, gay, straight, Christian, some non-Christian. Um, but we all meet together and we all gather in that place. And I think it's a perfect place. Uh, It's right on the corner of 7th and Wilkes. Mm -hmm. And so that neighborhood, I think, is it gives us an opportunity to make our witness have feet Mm -hmm. and hands. Mm -hmm. Um, As you know, that the Wilkes Boulevard Church is famous for loaves and fishes, um, they serve through Turning Point and and Loaves and Fishes. They serve uh, every day, dinner mm-hmm. every day, mm-hmm. and from a hundred to hundred and fifty people.
0: They're at the at, facility.
1: At the facility, mm-hmm. and uh, different groups volunteer to participate in that mm-hmm. that endeavor. So I, it fits us. I think we fit them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm grateful that they've allowed us to meet there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's been a very good, good, good experience.
0: Mm-hmm. And you have uh, you've taught classes at the Crossing. Oh, uh, yeah, classes with uh, Columbia College.
1: Yeah, it, it seems like um, well, with Columbia College and with Mobile Area Community College mm-hmm. here in Columbia. Mm-hmm um you know that that's my gig Uh, (laughs) that puts beans and potatoes on the table um and they've been quite gracious um you know i'm their i'm their i'm their adjunct um Mm -hmm. at both places um you know adjuncts don't make a whole lot of money but we make Mm -hmm. enough to keep our heads above water
0: that's why you said beans and potatoes instead of steak and uh...
1: yes that's exactly right (laughs) that's exactly right um But um, the classes keep filling. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: What's a a name for your class, philosophy of religion? Well,
1: or you just you know at this at at the junior college level, I teach ethics and logic.
0: Because you have a PhD in philosophy. Yes, that's right.
1: Yes, that's right. And uh, they tell me um,
0: (laughs) they say that you're the first black
1: man. (laughs) Yes, to receive a PhD (laughs) in philosophy. Uh, in the history of the University of Missouri, so far they haven't found anyone else. So I guess I am at least the
0: best up. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. Um, but that was an interesting experience. Um, you know, my my previous graduate work had been uh, at Princeton in theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had really tried to concentrate in systematics, mm-hmm. and then to make that shift to a department of analytic philosophy um was really interesting. Um I, I think most of the faculty um was happy I was there. Well at least most of the time. Um I had a good relationship with colleagues, uh fellow graduate students, um and students. Uh after the first semester they gave me my own class. And so but I you know, I think it's because I've worked on my oratorical skills for years. Right. So I'm very comfortable in a classroom, mm-hmm. um, and that's just kind of opened doors for me along the way. Um, so currently, uh, I, after the PhD, I, um, I I was on tenure track at Bethune Cookman University in Daytona Beach, Florida, right. um, and it was there seven years, received tenure promotion, but changed presidents, and you know you have to shake things up, and so. Right. I was, I was graciously asked to leave, mm-hmm. and uh, we came back to um, Missouri, mm-hmm. uh, my wife and I, and started Dawson Journey Ministry and just been doing our thing ever since.
0: Might I mention that there was also some undercurrent things going on in Florida that well, were troublesome?
1: It was troublesome. It was troublesome. I, um,
0: it was difficult to be quiet.
1: Right, there. There was a. There was a. Yeah, there was a group of professors who were had a sex ring, who were trading grades for sex, and um, student just bursted out in tears in my classroom after one of the lectures on love, Mm -hmm. and told me the story. I took it to my chair, took it to the dean, we took it to the president. Long story short, when the FBI. Highway patrol, law enforcement came and confiscated those particular persons' computers. They found over four hundred um, videos of women who had been forced to trade sex for grades. And and you know this is public knowledge. This has been published um, in news newspapers around the country. Um,
0: and, and in our present society, we're seeing this pop oh, up. Oh
1: yeah. Oh Boy, yeah. I mean,
0: it's it's a plague.
1: It's a plague, but it's a plague of power. Um, and you and I and our listeners know that most acts of injustice of this kind really is about power mm-hmm. and control. Um, the good thing is those four people were busted. The bad thing was that I didn't get them all. Mm. And so in the end, they got together to um, put together a very uncomfortable um, sure. and false report about me, mm-hmm. um, which led for me having to leave.
0: Sure.
1: I I was hurt, bitter, upset, angry about that stuff for a while, mm-hmm. as most human beings I think would be. Um, but I've learned in the life process that it was a necessary pain in order for me to grow. Coming to Columbia has meant that traditional modes of existence are not available to me therefore i have to be creative i have to use imagination i have to have faith just simply to survive Mm -hmm. and not only have i been able to survive we have been able i think even to flourish Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wonderful yeah
0: do you know why you're here today
1: well, they said this old country boy wrote an article. That's what I'm thinking about. Um, that's a new development in my life. Um, yeah. I never Columbia, Missouri. Columbia, Missouri, and I'm a weekly columnist for them. Uh, and the last column has to do about today. So today. first of all, let me say happy Juneteenth. Juneteenth. Yeah, yeah. And
0: you start off your column with Ju- June the nineteenth. And what is today?
1: June the nineteenth. June the nineteenth. So today, I mean, a <laughs> hundred and fifty-four years ago, um, that um, uh, Major General Gordon, I think his name is Grange, made the announcement in the state of Texas in Galveston. That uh, African Americans who had been enslaved were free. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So this must have had somebody must have been recording that that day because that wasn't the only place that the announcement was made. You know, around the
1: country. Sure, you're right. But sure, you're right.
0: that one sort of stuck. Yeah.
1: And became
0: and. and and this is say, what's the date again?
1: So, so 1865. Grange, he showed up 1865. Yeah. The Emancipation Proclamation was was January one, 1863. So two and a half years later, Grange shows up in Texas mm-hmm. um, to make the announcement. A, a number of theories. Uh, it's fascinating just to think about it in for, on a number of levels. First of all, what took two and a half years, right? Um, Some people think that there was a messenger at the announcement of the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. A person was sent to Texas in particular to the Confederate States in general, but that person was killed. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the word did not get out. Mm Some think that um, that there was a deliberate delay, and that the deliberate delay had to do with the labor force, black labor force in the South, and how it would devastate the South if African Americans who had been enslaved uh, were suddenly free. Mm-hmm. So it was, there were some economic reasons, some people suggest, mm-hmm. of the delay. And the third one is, is that there were Union soldiers who were sympathetic to Southern slave owners hmm. um, who allowed them to at least get one more crop in, cotton crop. Because, again, during that time, the cotton industry was the primary mm-hmm. economic industry. Cotton for was them. king. Cotton was king. Mm-hmm. And so it at least would allow them one more harvest um, in order to hopefully have a, a, a financial basis and economic place to land. Mm-hmm. So,
0: And politically behind the scenes, uh, to some people, there was quite a bit going on with what we now know as the 13th Amendment.
1: Right. I'm one of those two that believe that Because the Emancipation Proclamation was simply a a decree and an order. Exactly. And one of the things that those who were sympathetic to the abolition of slavery feared is that after Lincoln was no longer president, a new president would come in, turn it over, Mm -hmm. and slavery would be reestablished. So there was a real push um, by the abolitionists, one, uh, Frederick Douglass and others, Mm -hmm. two, by of all people, all groups, the Republicans Mm -hmm. that wanted to make sure that the abolition of slavery remained. So there was a push for um, the Emancipation Proclamation to become the 13th Amendment. Mm -hmm. The story is told, right, Mm -hmm. is that the Republicans jumped on it immediately in the Senate um, but it took the Democrats who controlled the House, the Dixiecrats, of course, um, it took them until January 31st, 1865 to have enough votes for it to pass. And then it had to be
0: ratified. After and then it had that, to be ratified. And that didn't take place till sometime later.
1: Right. Um, yeah. Most people think in this area, most people think December of 1865 uh, was when they had three-fourths of the states so they could ratify the 13th Amendment.
0: Well, I started looking this up last year sometime, okay. trying to find something on the 13th Amendment in the library, and the book that came up was one that I have right here in front of me called okay. Lincoln and the Politics of Slavery, the Other 13th Amendment and the Struggle to Save the Union. Mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, brand new to me, as we as we both know, sometimes a history class doesn't touch on everything it needs to touch on.
1: Right. <laughs> the
0: first 13th Amendment in 1861 was written to guarantee that slavery would be institutionalized in the states that already had it. Right. That meant... If that got passed and ratified, well, that becomes part of the Constitution, sure. and we have slavery forever. Sure, sure, uh, until you know somebody overturns it. But so that was prior to the war starting. Yes, and then the war starts. Yeah, and so we have. Wow. Okay. Now we have. Whites killing whites. Yes. And it's over economics, but the economics is based on who is doing the work. Right. And blacks are doing the work. Right. And so uh, this is just awful. Right. And so we have our northern-tier state Republicans, particularly a guy in Ohio named Ashley, Mm -hmm. that was passionate about Abolition, mm-hmm. and uh, was writing a very uh, uh, thoughtful Thirteenth Amendment that was just the opposite, right, of that first one, right. And so, as you've described, then uh, over time, well, we had the Proclamation, the Emancipation Proclamation, but then this, excuse me, Thirteenth <coughs> Amendment that we see now uh, came into being. Uh, Toward the end of the war.
1: Right. Well, a couple of things are interesting to me. For instance, um, growing up, there were always two stories Mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. Growing up in a country that uh, had a real push for first-generation integrationism and going to public school, it was always that Abraham Lincoln was the emancipator Mm -hmm. or... Of slaves. It was the worst mistake they did was to teach me how to read. And so then I began to read for myself and I found out for instance the letter that Lincoln sends to Horace Greenlee that if I could save the Union without freeing the slaves I would do so. But he also goes on to say if I could save the Union without with freeing the slaves I would on and on. Mm-hmm. So. In further reading, what I've learned is that for Lincoln, the number one uh, concern was the Union, Mm -hmm. not the emancipation of Mm African-Americans. Lincoln would publicly say, and even in his first inaugural address says, he has no intention of dismantling slavery. Mm -hmm but privately people are saying that he's working on an emancipation document maybe so mm-hmm. the other narrative that's told with with families who stay connected and continue the narratives from slavery remember my father was the first and his siblings freeborn people in our family oh your father. So, my father. So the stories of slavery and all of that mm-hmm. took on a very different character, mm-hmm. that that Lincoln was forced to abolish slavery with the war. The Union was getting its butt whipped by the, by the Confederacy. They did not win a battle until Antietam. Mm-hmm. With the first shot at Sumter, the Confederate armies was, were, were just beating the devil out of the Union Army. The second thing is, is that the war lasted longer than people anticipated. They thought it was going to be a quick kind of thing. Uh, the third thing is the war had no moral ground to stand on. And so by including the abolition of slavery, now the Civil War at least has a moral context um, and and even though my critics um, of my, my column <laughs> say that I'm, I'm misinterpreting history, the fact of the matter is, is that in the North we're seeing the embryonic stages of an industrial revolution. Oh yeah, and and northern industrialists knew that if the emancipation of African-Americans who had been enslaved in the South went through, they had a real opportunity to add to the workforce in the North. And so again, we have this uncomfortable bedding Mm -hmm. of moral impetus with economic uh, desire. Sound
0: different than today? Uh, No. (laughs) 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 No.
1: I mean, come on! (laughs) Isn't it? uh, I I don't mean to cause a problem, but isn't it funny? We want to build a wall Mm. to keep out all of those drug dealers, prostitutes, and you know, as if every Latino must be that, right? Mm. Mm. But the fact of the matter is, if you've ever lived in any other place in America, you know that drugs come in from everywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that it's so you know um, and why do we uh,
0: why do we have such a society that is so dependent upon the drug culture uh, and I think
1: we we're have- in pain I think it's a way of self self-medicating yeah and I think that the people who fund the movement of drugs in this country know that it's a quick money fix mm-hmm the opiate people who put together the opiate synthetics that have just about devastated mm-hmm. America, they, yeah. they made a whole lot of money. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: And they're, they're being called
1: on that now. Yes, Hopefully finally. more and more. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I, I think um, but my, my father never said that Abraham Lincoln freed the saves. He said that they fired him. He fired him. <laughs> um, and that, you know, there was also this promise of 40 acres and a mule, which I don't know anyone who received it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there there are some other stories and narratives that go right. on behind this that that we didn't get in school.
0: Well, I thought one of your, your critics was showing the way white people have been taught history. Sure. When he said that... We, the U.S., was leading the way in getting rid of slavery. <laughs> when we were the, the last country to, and we had to have a war. Yeah, that's right for it to happen. Sure. I mean, France had done it already earlier.
1: Sure,
0: England, everywhere was, hey, this is stupid to have slavery.
1: Yeah. Well, you know that person. Uh, first of all, he likes to ride my coattail because it makes it gives him an audience to talk to. Uh, second, because nobody else will listen. Secondly, is again, I think you're right. He um, he he is representative of a of a narrative of American history, oh, yeah. and about who we are.
0: It's a, a white supremacist narrative, but sure. hey, I'm white. They say I'm just. Uh, as uh, victimized by my culture as anybody else, because I'm taught all of these things that make me think I'm somehow different. Sure, sure. Uh, or at least they tried to. I somehow they were. I had personal experiences with people that made me question that. But yeah,
1: yeah. And I think it's you know um, you mentioned the fact that I, I'm. I'm in the third year now of teaching on a course at the Crossing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it is the large uh, mega church for Columbia. It is very, very white. Mm
0: -hmm. I noticed that. I came that one day to your class.
1: Um, Uh They have asked me to come back a third time. I I think the leadership of that church, particularly um, Dave Culver and Keith Simon, and others, but those two are the senior pastors there. Mm -hmm. I I think they say to me that I help them, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, The class runs about 100, 150 people, Mm -hmm. which everyone seems to be kind of um, happily shocked. (laughs) But that means that there's another 5,000 people who are not interested.
0: Or they're taking another class. Or
1: they're or taking a, another they're class. Or class. they're doing something else. Yeah. And and I think it's difficult for Anglo people to be engaged in a conversation about racial history and and, and relax mm-hmm. because I think the immediate kind of feeling is oh I'm being judged I'm being accused et cetera but you know churches say. That there's no way in which you can be liberated of one's sins unless you confess them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we all of us have been under that paradigm. I mean, there are, remember Sojourner Truth, well, you know, that's the big conversation right now. Should she be on the $20 bill? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And one
0: in of the place things, of Andrew?
1: I think it's Andrew George. Jackson. I haven't seen a 20 in a long time. No. There. <laughs>
0: Hey, uh, Dennis, pull out a 20, will <laughs>
1: <right?
0: laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're at KOPN. Nobody's got a Nobody's 20.
1: Nobody's got a 20. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, she says, right, that one of the—her hardest tasks was to convince enslaved people that they were slaves. I think that with the integration movement, um, uh, it indoctrinated also— A large population of the African Americans Mm -hmm. into thinking that none of this is important. If you look at, for instance, the history of Juneteenth, Mm -hmm. in the very beginning, when those first four African American pastors in Houston Mm -hmm. put together eight hundred dollars, I think they purchased something like hundred acres. No, I'm sorry, ten acres. And put together emancipation park.
0: Emancipation Park. Park. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Um and because of, you know, the emphasis of the Emancipation Proclamation happening. Mm-hmm. So Juneteenth really took off in Texas, but you know, people are connected, and so it took off in throughout the Confederate mm-hmm. States.
0: Before we get too much into Juneteenth, okay. I'm gonna I would like us to take a station break. Sure. I'd like to let people know again that you are C.W. Dawson. Yes. uh, Reverend C.W., Dr. C.W., whatever, uh, just C.W. C.W. Will do. And that uh, you're here, and we're going to talk about emancipation and Juneteenth. And not just black emancipation, but white emancipation in the second part of this session. Okay. So we'll be back in just a moment, folks, with more. Global news in social artistry. back to local news and social artistry i'm your host dick dalton and my guest today is cw dawson uh, a familiar name and uh, a new face in a sense in columbia uh, i just want to give a shout out to the success of your weight loss program oh thank you and your health
1: yeah, uh, when i
0: saw you today after a year it was like <laughs> wow, this man has found the fountain of youth. I'd like to know what, what he's tapped into. But-
1: uh, I've lost 104 pounds. Yeah. And, and I feel so much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was, when we first came back to uh, Columbia, I was a Buddha. <laughs> I was 340 pounds. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've lost, I've lost the weight. I have to give a shout out to my wife too. Uh, Maria has lost 60 pounds. Um, and and it's harder for women it's harder for women to lose weight um, and so she's really been working hard at it with walking and water aerobics and all the kind of stuff. Then we radically changed our diet. Mm-hmm. We don't mean eat as many fried foods. Wonderful. the only thing I have to eat fried is fish. I grew up on fried fish. Now mm-hmm. come on, y'all, I gotta mm-hmm. have some fried fish. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, once a week. once a week. <laughs> uh, we really don't we do not go to fast food places. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a real temptation but uh we we've really been working on it really been working on it okay, well we're going to have you
0: back every year and okay. we're going to make sure that you, you keep working and, okay. and you'll have another <laughs> yeah. uh improvement to show an, <laughs> an enlightenment <laughs> yes another <Yeah>. enlightenment <laughs> you will be emancipated even from more pounds that's right <laughs> you know i love this word emancipation it, it, it it's it says it means freedom, I suppose. Right. Free from something. Right. And, and freedom to something. Well, yeah. Hopefully it's the uh, bridge from one
1: state to another. Right, right. right. And I think that's real important um, when we think about this this celebration. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, it is about freedom from legal slavery in America. Legal slavery. Legal. Legally owning Yes, Someone. yes, mm-hmm. and as, and and freedom to think about myself mm-hmm. in a new way. I'm no longer property. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am a full person. Mm-hmm. Now, notice after the Emancipation Proclamation and the Thirteenth Amendment, we get a series of things that try to deny that freedom too. And so Jim Crow laws, for mm-hmm. instance, are to put together. Segregation is at its worst. Mm-hmm. Lynching starts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there's still this opportunity as an individual to find ways to express my humanity mm-hmm. and to take on the awesome responsibility of freedom.
0: And let me give an awesome example from Texas. Okay. Did you know that Lincoln University of Missouri was started by soldiers in Texas at oh, the end right. of the war, that decided they wanted to start a an institute, a, a, a yes. freedom education for blacks yes. back in Missouri. A white officer uh, worked with them, and they cobbled together their monies and their their vision, and we have Lincoln University of Missouri. That's exactly. I, I had forgotten that. And came right out of so Texas, right. right out of where Juneteenth got mm-hmm. started.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I I, I would, when you mentioned Texas and all of this, I just got all bubbly with sure the, with that practical example of what freedom meant.
1: Right. Yeah. And and as you know, and I'm sure the majority of the listeners that there's a real push of education uh, after 1865. Yeah. So the historic the HBCUs, historic black colleges and universities really mm-hmm. begin to spring up mm-hmm. after that. Um because they understood that Douglas was right education makes a child a man a woman an adult unfit for slavery mm-hmm. whatever the slavery may be mm-hmm. so
0: yeah on a mm-hmm. seemingly different note okay we're enslaved to ideas yeah and uh, even in the church yeah i wonder my little uh, Revelation somewhere in, in the recent history is we got labeled sinner. Yeah, from the get go, and it's as if we're kind of enslaved in this label. Oh well, you know, everybody stands a little every day. Oh, I'm just a sinner. No, well, I can't do this because I'm a sinner. Right. And it's a it's a, an institutional slavery of ideas to disempower people yeah so emancipation is hey (laughs) I I don't go with that label anymore
1: yeah well if I may as a minister please I, I think a couple of things has happened first of all we have to remember that the first church when we were one church was not European
0: Oh, it wasn't? It wasn't white? Ooh, it oh. was white. Darn. Now, wait. Now, I, I've got the picture yeah, I know.
1: That's right. <laughs> white Jesus, white disciples. I, I was teasing of one of the, the crossing class. That isn't it interesting that um, all of us grew up with white Jesus. But if you go to, for instance, the Korean uh, Church of Christ, hmm. um, that they have a picture of the Lord's Supper. And everybody's Korean. When you go to the shrine of the Black Madonna, everybody is African of African descent. If you, you know, um, it was another way of liberation. Mm-hmm. My point is that it wasn't until 325 AD that the Europeans took, captured, stole the church.
0: Council of Nicaea? Yeah,
1: and, you know, Athanasius was wrong, mm-hmm. but he was backed by Constantine. And the church went that way. Now notice what happens with that, though.
0: This is the Roman church, takes the, over the whole Catholic church, which was yeah. a very diverse
1: Absolutely.
0: cultural phenomenon.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. The first three popes of the church were African.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, I love teasing my Anglo-Roman Catholic folks <laughs> about that. Um, and so it was a very diverse church. But for 300 years, Constantine forced people to adopt Athanasius way as opposed to Arius the African mm-hmm. number two with that change came a change in the language of sin so sin in the Greek means to miss the mark mm-hmm. harmartia. so yeah I mean I think the commercial was right on target with that mindfulness mm-hmm. that when I'm not mindful I miss the mark sometimes I miss it a little bit Sometimes I end up, my arrow ends up in my neighbor's backyard, mm-hmm. but I miss the mark. With the change came this idea of sin as corruptible. Mm-hmm. And so no longer am I seeing myself as missing the mark. Now I'm this horrible, dirty, rotten person um, that I have to find, you know, whether beating myself or acts of mm-hmm. contrition, on and on and on. Which did not help the human predicament.
0: No. No, I'm guilty before I'm even five
1: exactly. years old. And if you notice, that's the first thing the slave masters and the slave hunters did to Africans. See, Africans, all Africans who came to the United States were not ignorant of Christianity. There was a church called the Coptic Church that was doing evangelism even before Muhammad and Islam, Mm -hmm. peace be unto him, Mm -hmm. was spreading in the continent. Mm -hmm. So there were Africans who understood something about Christianity that was radically different from the slave owners. What they couldn't understand is how could these people who call themselves Christian do be like this? Right? Right? So, and they had a very different hermeneutic. They understood something about Christianity was about freedom, and yet you're telling me that (laughs) slaves obey your masters. I mean, something's wrong here. And so my problem, my issue with the contemporary black church, let alone the Anglo church, but the contemporary black church, is that I think too often we have been seduced into being the white church in blackface.
0: Ah, yes, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And so, no wonder we can shout and sing and mm-hmm. do all those things on mm-hmm. Sunday. And the dope houses are not going out of business. Mm-hmm. Our people are not, you know, our families are in turmoil. Mm-hmm. Um, our people are feeling hopeless. Mm-hmm. But we so we can sing and shout though on yeah. Sunday.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, sort of like this is. What makes us who we are is oh, we can. Uh, let me do make a derogatory statement. We can shuffle fast. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it, and and so and, and get approval. Oh yeah, white oh well oh, oh, y'all white people. Man, was, geez, whoa, you guys are really emotional. You're on
1: fire. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I wish my Methodist church
1: could be as on fire as you. Oh. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, uh, Another angle. Uh, All right. God, I believe to you is a spirit. Is that correct?
1: Well, yes, God is a spirit, but um, but the manifestations of God for me, uh, let me let me go back. Rather, I, I I preferred to think of God as an ultimate reality, and so the manifestations of God for me are both male and female.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So. I literally pray sometimes father, sometimes mother, Mm -hmm, sometimes mm -hmm, both, mm -hmm. and sometimes neither. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's another kind of capturing paradigm. If God is only male, then all Mm -hmm. females are secondary.
0: (laughs) But if God is a spirit, God's not male nor female. female. I think even Paul said, in Christ, there is neither male
1: nor female. Right. Slave, nor Scythian, Greek, nor Scythian. Oh, and that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We we kind of leave that part out sometimes. Well, you know, now we got to go. Did Paul say that? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, he said, well, even the male and female, they want to leave out. Right, right. 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 So uh, what I'm kind of getting at is this uh, made in the image of God and then making that white. Right. Somehow we're in the image of god and we're white and therefore we're superior sure as if god is not a spirit but god is some kind of a physical person with color right and i guess even yeah so it gets kind of complicated but it it's just a a phrase just thrown out there as proof of my position so Emancipation. Why do I, as a white man, need to be
1: emancipated? (laughs) Because you're enslaved. (laughs) You listen. We we we, Anglo people. I mean, that's the first one right there, isn't it? White has always meant in English for us superior, pure, Mm -hmm. on and on and Mm -hmm. on. And so when so when individuals call themselves white. Either consciously or unconsciously, they're calling themselves superior.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, in my introduction in my book, oh yeah, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. quoting uh, a guy by the name of Eric Fromm. Yes, who wrote uh, a book called The Art of Being. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take just a, a short little minute here to quote him. Okay, man can be a slave, even without being put in chains. Mm-hmm. The outer chains have simply been put inside of man. The desires and thoughts that the suggestion apparatus of society fills him with. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's such a. So here's the suggestion apparatus of society is what gives man his thoughts and his desires. And they chain him more thoroughly than outer chains. Mm hmm. This is so because man can at least be aware of outer chains but unaware of inner chains, carrying them with the illusion that he is free. Mm -hmm. He can try to overthrow the outer chains but how can he rid himself of chains of whose presence on existence he is unaware? Mm -hmm. Which is just what you were saying that the slave, ex-slave, had to be taught which slavery was
1: right you, right you know and, and we hear this in multiple places mm-hmm. right
0: and and Fromm is not talking to black people no no alone
1: alone he, he, his He's audience
0: talking, is mostly white european
1: right and i think to American. the whole human yeah. condition right so you have someone like Fromm, you have either on the other side or another side um existentialist atheistic existentialist like jean paul sartre mm-hmm. Um, who say we have to make a decision where we live for ourselves or in ourselves and in means according to the dictates of of the social constructs all around us mm-hmm. that hold us in slavery um, All the way to people like um, um, Maya Angelou, who talks about I know why the cage bird sings. Mm. So so yeah, it's it's always this constant, liberation liberation process mm-hmm. to not only be physically enslaved, no longer be physically enslaved, but also mentally, spiritually, psychologically free. Mm-hmm. And it's it's scary. Which takes questioning and
0: and what this is a key question. What is that key that gets someone to start questioning their, the source of their thoughts, the source of their actions, the source of their behaviors, to even recognize that they've been enslaved by the suggestion apparatus of society.
1: I'll give you a funny story. Okay, great. So I'm first year freshman. Um, I'm there playing football for, uh, Cornell College in Iowa and um, we're in the shower and there's an Anglo guy in the shower and I'm in the shower and you know how male showers are, there are no stalls, we're mm-hmm. just all in that room, with mm-hmm. showers. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that there's an Anglo guy looking at my my butt mm-hmm. and he's really looking at my butt and and, and with a curious look on his face. So finally, you know, the guy in me said, Hey man, why are you looking at my butt? He says, I don't mean anything. He said, But I was told that all black people when they're born have a tail. And I and then they lose it. And I'm trying to see where your tail was. Oh my
0: goodness. Oh my goodness.
1: There are so many narratives that I think Anglo people have been told. Hmm where you said where's the key the key can be in so many different places which is so marvelous about the universe Mm -hmm. it could be in a simple conversation that did not get violent Mm -hmm. but took some time to trust one another to tell our stories that's not true Mm -hmm. it can be it can be this radio broadcast that somebody Mm -hmm. just happened to listen to on a wednesday that says you know what maybe i ought to think about a question. Some of the stuff I'm. It can be a teacher, who cares more about a student than about whether or not they pass the standardized test. It, it, it can be. A, it can be in the birth of a child, right? It, there are so many places. But the problem of providing those keys or being a catalyst in that is that we kill people who provide those keys. To people. Mm. We have, haven't we? Yeah, and we Mm -hmm. still do. And we still do. Mm -hmm. We try to kill them physically. We'll try to kill their reputations. We try to put them in a position where they have to shut up.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm glad glad I was in camouflage.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and, I mean, look at the academy now. Both of us have served in the academy for a number of years, but the academy's changed. Mm -hmm. So look how we recruit students now. We don't recruit students by saying, we want you to come to our institution to get an education so you'll be a well-rounded person and functioning in society and contribute. No, what we say now is you come to our school, you'll get a degree and you'll make more money. That's it. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm kind of glad I'm retired.
1: It's frustrating. I, um, I don't know about you, but many, many times I feel like a dinosaur. And my wife says, don't say that. And I'm like, yeah, I do though. Mm-hmm. But my hope is mm-hmm. that there are some young folk, mm-hmm. remember Socrates was killed for this, mm-hmm. who started to, starting to question, is the stuff I'm being told really true? Mm-hmm. And say, you know, I'm gonna try to find out for myself, mm-hmm. I'm gonna question some of these assumptions. Even democracy even democracy, Mm -hmm. isn't that something? I I got in trouble one time in class, and I I just simply said, you should ask yourself if capitalism is the only and best way in which we ought to run a society. And they were like, what's wrong with capitalism? (laughs) And I'm like, whoa, wait, wait. All I ask you to do is think about it. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's because of your own ignorance about other forms. Mm -hmm. So, Like, do you know what democratic socialism is? Mm -hmm. Do you know? Have you ever read any Marx? Mm -hmm. And do you realize that all of those experiments from the Soviet Union, Cuba, even China, he would say are not what he's talking about for the communist state? I mean, have you ever looked at anything else? Mm -hmm. And a couple of students got it. Mm -hmm. But, you know.
0: And that's often the case. Yeah, there'll be a couple out yeah. of out of your hundred. Yeah, and and bless their hearts. Uh, hopefully, they will. It, it won't just be uh, uh, rocky soil. That'll be a, a moment of fun and interest. But yeah. hopefully, it's good ground that uh, will bear some fruit
1: and bear fruit with others to bear fruit. Exactly. Uh, exactly. I mean, I, I you know when I think of people get on me and they say, you're a Christian, you're only supposed to think about Christianity. I'm like, look, I'm 65 years old, I'm at the age and the point in my life, I don't have to apologize for what I think or what I say. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think is that the Buddhists have something, something on the ball. The Eightfold Path really might be a way of helping us along the way, right thinking, right mindfulness, right understanding. But the bottom line comes from the full fourfold path, right? And number one is our egos. <laughs> we can get past our egos. Mm. We can be on our way. That's what kills. Oh,
0: that's a that's going to be a whole another hour, isn't
1: it? Yeah, that would be <laughs> more than we can do. But anyway, I think for Anglo people to to attend Juneteenth celebrations is a way of. Of hearing a narrative another way, mm-hmm. of and participating I'm, in their own liberation. Is there one today here in Columbia, a Juneteenth celebration? The, the majority of Juneteenth celebrations is in Jefferson City. Oh. Okay. I have I, I heard, in heard there are some acts here, but my hope is, is that all of us who do all this talking can get together mm-hmm. and organize a real Juneteenth celebration next year.
0: All right. Yeah. All right. The um, call is going out, folks. Yeah. CW Dawson wants uh, to have like minded folks uh, help get together and,
1: and have a big next one year, here.
0: have a big Juneteenth celebration, maybe with KOPN's
1: support. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. That'd be that would be wonderful.
0: KOPN supports this community, and uh, we appreciate the support that the community gives to us here at KOPN. And Absolutely. With that plug, we're going to say. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you you for allowing me
1: this opportunity. And you can find
0: C.W. on, uh, in the Columbia, Missouri, every, what, every Monday,
1: It comes out uh, Tuesdays Tuesdays. online and hard copy on Wednesdays. Okay.
0: And uh, you can go online and find all of his past uh, columns and get all stirred up and uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) One way or another. One another. (laughs) One way or another, that's right.
0: And leave your comments. Yes, please. (laughs) Okay. Thanks again. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Next week, uh, we're going to be talking to a woman in Hawaii Mm. uh, who was here just a few weeks ago, or just this last week, and she's an old student of mine from Lincoln and a fellow actor in uh, theater and community theater. So uh, we'll have Regina uh, Walker, Regina Blanchard Walker, on the show next week and find out how she's a social artist uh, in her way of building a more humane world. Very good. Look forward to having you back, folks. And remember, wherever you are, that is your world. Please leave your world more peaceful, cleaner, (laughs) and more loving than you found it. Because if it is to be, it is up to us. So take care. Talk to you soon.